Welcome to the God Shift Podcast, where we move you from disruption into a greater destiny, expectancy, and possibility. I'm your host, Shana Rattler, and I'm a minister, author, and sought-after speaker. Join myself and individuals, organization leaders, and ministry leaders who unapologetically share their story of when their life collided with God's purpose and put them on the path that was designed for them. You will learn how elevating God's position in your life empowers you to bounce back from setbacks, disappointments, and uncertainty and unlocks the door to confidently move you into your next chapter. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a God Shift podcast. I am your host, Shana Rattler. I am so glad that you are here. I am just excited about this episode as I am every single episode because I am convinced that I have some amazing guests. I have some amazing guests that have a ton of experience and they have a ton of insight that not only gives us hope that there's life on the other side of whatever negative or difficult season that we might be experiencing, but they can actually share something with you that doesn't just go, oh, that sounded great and it rhymed. That actually will give you something that you can do to make your life all the better for whatever it is that um, that it is that you're going through. So welcome, welcome, welcome to a God Shift podcast. If you will do me a favor, if you will take a screenshot of wherever it is that you are listening to this podcast, whether it's on your phone or your tablet or your computer, and then take that screenshot and post it on your social media. And then if you'll do me two more favors, one, tag us here at a God Shift and give us your biggest takeaway or your aha moment from this episode. Why do we do that? Because I don't give a flip about downloads. But what I do care about is this message getting into the hands for as, of as many people as possible so that they can recognize that there is an opportunity for them to still reach their ultimate destiny, even though everything that they see around them looks like it's the opposite of what it is that maybe that they have been promised. So if you will do that for me, I appreciate, appreciate, appreciate you and thank you in advance. So let's get to it. I am going to read my guest's bio and then we will get into what I believe is going to be a very promising conversation. So my guest today is an international best-selling author, app designer, entrepreneur, and trainer who has spent the past 18 plus years traveling around the world sharing his passion. He has also shared the stage with and trained many of the top trainers and thought leaders in the world today. With his high energy and heartfelt style, he draws on his journey from humble beginnings to financial freedom at the age of 32 to inspire individuals into tapping into their greatness. Realizing that he is not the only person that struggles, his clues open individuals up to the possibilities that lie within them, and that is why he is a highly sought-after presenter. So I'm excited to welcome to a God Chef podcast, Robert Raymond Riapel. Hey there. <laughs> hey, Shana. Great to see you. And oh my goodness, you've already put the pressure on saying that I have to be great at this talk. Oh, now the pressure. You're going to be, great. You're gotta be greater. I'm just going to hang up. <laughs> There we go. Well, I will do my absolute best to make sure that you're not even thinking of hanging up. <laughs> awesome. So let's get to it, Robert. You and I were talking in the green room before we came on about when we're introducing people um, and when we're reading their bios and talking about who they are. And our bios are always full of impactful words. But I would love before we get into the conversation for you just to give us the 15 to 20 second version of how it is that you really play in the world and how you help people. <laughs> well, just understand I'm me. 
I'm no different than anybody else. I, you know, when I'm in an audience, I love to go off the stage, find a person I know is tall, ha- ask them to assist me, have them stand up. We look at the camera. So everybody sees it on the jumbo screens and I can say to the audience, look, I want you to notice I am short. And I get a great reaction. And then I thank them, have them sit down. And I say, now, why did I tell you that? I don't want you to think that just because I'm on the stage, I'm any better than you because I'm not, you know, is it possible? I may have learned something, have knowledge that you don't have. Sure. Sure. But isn't it possible? Every single one of you in the audience knows something I don't know, has knowledge that I can learn from. Absolutely. So why am I better or worse than anybody else? We're all the same. We all came from the same place. We're all going back to the same place. And I love to set that context because I make mistakes. I'm a human. I have ups. I have downs. I have all those areas. So I'm just me. Yeah, I love that. You know, and it kind of helps to level the playing field because oftentimes when you're in the audience, especially it may be a little bit different from speaker to speaker, right? Like you and I both speak all over the world. And so it might be a little bit less likely from speaker to speaker, but usually the audience is not full of other people who know what you know. And so it kind of helps to level the playing field that this is not a me against you. It's not a, oh, I've arrived. And so I'm now the guru that you should just do everything that it is that I tell you to do. It just goes, hey, guess what? I've happened to get on the other side of some things. And for the next however long, I'm just going to share what worked for me and it might work for you. It kind of takes some of the pressure off. So I love that. And, that. and that's exactly it. Because one of my mentors, I love what he said. He says, be the middle person. Meaning don't sit there and look up to people or look down on people. Because if you're the middle person, that's where you're able to meet them. And then now you're not judging books by the cover. And so it is, and you said something very, very key there. Uh, it was another thing the same mentor taught me. He said, you know, business is simply solving problem for people at a profit, mm-hmm. he says, but never, ever even dare solve a problem for someone else that you haven't solved for yourself. Wow. So the greatest trainers, the greatest teachers are the ones that go, look, I'm not perfect. Here's how I've struggled and got through it. And here's what I learned. So if I can help you get through this same struggle with a little less pain, maybe a little more flow, a little more happiness in your life. Would that be worthwhile? And that's the key. So, and and people wonder why they struggle, say, doing sales is because they're trying to sell something that they don't believe in. Yes. Or hasn't worked for them. But if they come back and go, what's my life experience been? Because here's the thing, Shana, every single person, I don't care who you are, has gone through crap. Yeah. So do you play the victim or do you end up saying, I can get through this? And do you have the courage and listen to the words the courage to be vulnerable enough to ask for help. Yeah. You know, it's it's really interesting. I, I start my book. I wrote my fourth book um, around this time last year. And I start the introduction off saying, what the hell is going on? I believe that that's six words that believers or even non-believers probably ask themselves at some point in their life, if not, if not multiple. But how we respond to that is a choice because mm-hmm. I can't tell you the time that I've been in conferences. And so for those of you who are listening, we're already in the interview. I know I haven't asked a question yet, but we're already <laughs> teaching. So boom, there you go. So um, I can't count the number of times where I've been in conferences and there are people at the microphone and they are boohoo crying about something that happened to them 18 years ago. And let me just say that what I'm about to say has absolutely nothing to do to diminish what it was that that went that they went through or what happened to them or what was imposed or inflicted on them. But I'm sitting in my seat going, 
although I'm sympathetic to what it is that you're saying, I don't feel bad for you. The fact that in 18 years as a full grown man or woman, that you haven't at least attempted to do something that does not allow what happened to you to have the same level of impact on you that you're stuck in boohoo crying 18 years later. Like at some point you're going to have to figure out (laughs) and I'll never forget. I was talking to someone one day. It was a a, a niece of one of my best friends and she was just doing the fool running away, all kinds of stuff ended up doing some time in like a a mental hospital or whatever. And I'm probably making it a little more crass than it is. But I asked her, I said, Alex, what was your biggest takeaway? And she said, one of the things that my counselor said to me is your mortgage company and your utility company is never going to care what it is that you're going through. So there's going to be very few environments that you're ever going to be able to go into as an adult that you're going to be able to use the excuse of what your mother did or did not do you know, to to get by or on whatever it is. So I say all that to say, like, it's a choice, right? Like, yes, we've all been through something, but it's a choice to say, huh, what can I try to learn? Or who is it that I can try to learn from that's going to help me get on the other side of that? So it's not 18 years later, and I'm still so stuck that I never get what I want in life. Yeah, you know, in a mantra I use every day, and this may sound silly to some people, but it works for me. And I got to tell you, is anytime I notice, because I used to be one of those people that got stuck in the past and the woe is me or playing that victim role and hanging on to it. And so what I've learned as a mantra for me is because I love animated movies. I don't know about you, but I love animated movies because I find there's more for the adults for lessons than there actually is for the kids. And one of my favorite ones is Frozen. And the part that I use as a mantra is let it go, let it go. That's the only part of the song that I know. Because when I find myself getting bogged down going, why? I go, okay, let it go. Yeah. And I'll really hear the song in my head. And then the moment I realize that I can go, okay. And, and another one I use is I, I'll say this, my wife and I say this together. First world problem. Yeah. It's a wow. problem. Yep. So how am I here able to complain when there's people that have it way worse than me? We have such a blessed life. Absolutely. So the, and, and it comes with practice. And I want, you know, you get this, Shane, I know you do. And that's why you do this show is I don't want people to think it's an instant switch that you can just go and it's right. done. But, you know, giving practical skills and tips throughout this interview that I can, I'm going to just share with what's worked with me in my life. Because I've gone through some of the ups and downs, and I still use the examples as examples. Right. Not holding on to it, going, oh, 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 but you don't understand. (laughs) It's just like, here's what happened. Here's what I learned. Because I'm a very, very big believer in the saying. A lot of people hear the saying, but here's what's interesting. The saying that says everything happens for a reason. Now, have you heard that saying, Sheena? Absolutely. Do you believe that saying? For the most part, yes. Did you know that's not the complete saying? No, I didn't. What is it? There's a whole second half that you very seldom hear. It's everything happens for a reason. And that reason is there to serve me. Yeah. And see, now when you look at it and you say the whole thing, now it puts you into curiosity mode. Now, you may not get an answer right away. So there's things that have happened in my life that years later I went, oh, my goodness. Now I know why I went through that. And all of a sudden the gratitude comes in because it's everything I've gone through good, bad, or otherwise is made me who I am today. Yeah. And I'm thankful for that. 
Yeah. So let's talk about what some of those things are. So for context for this conversation, my definition of a God shift is anytime disruption in your life collides with God's purpose, but it ultimately moves you into a greater destiny. It's usually Mm -hmm. some form of delay, disappointment, setback, challenge, whatever the unexpected circumstance is. And it's my opinion Um, which I think I have enough evidence at this point to say it's not my opinion, that I believe that these are opportunities. They're invitations to invite us into what it is that he really has planned for us. Because anytime we're pursuing anything that is not on the path that he has planned for us, he's going to shake us up in order to get our attention so he can go, no, 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 no. I'm not going to allow you to stay down that path because I know I need you here. I believe the question becomes... Are we going to see what it is that he wants us to see? Are we going to learn what it is that he wants us to learn? And for many of us, are we going to go where it is that he needs us next? So when you think about your own life, can you think of some type of disruption or unexpected circumstance that you feel like God was using to go, hey, let me get your attention? Only one? (laughs) Is that all you want me to share? Okay. You know, probably the biggest one um, that I'm thinking about right in the moment. Uh, I'm very blessed in a lot of ways. And one of the ways is my wife and I, we met when we were 13. We started dating when we were 16. We got married when we were 19. And this year we celebrate our 33rd wedding anniversary. And I will tell you, I would not be where I am today if it wasn't for her. Because in my way of being raised, it was you find a job that's going to be secure and pays you so you can take care of your family. Whether you like it or not, you do it to take care of your family. And my wife's not willing to let me play a smaller game than I'm capable of, even if it means kicking me in the butt and saying, step up, buddy. Right. And so here we are. We're still newlyweds. I'm working hard, staying loyal, but also in 21, I'm laid off from my third company. And this is a company I thought I was going to work for for 40 years because they had factories all over North America. I got hired on when they opened the factory. I'd worked my way from working in it to helping run the shipping and receiving department. And then I'm in inside sales. I'm now lower management at the age of 21. And I'm thinking, my goal is the next 40 years, I'm running my own factory. Yeah. So imagine my shock. I come back from a holiday and the general manager, and I still remember his name, Ron Humpting. He calls me into his office and he says, want you to know we're shutting the factory down. You were laid off as of last Friday. Now, Shana, that part didn't bother me as much as what happened next. He then had, in what I look at as the nerve to sit me down and tell me everything I was doing wrong, and that if I wanted to be successful, here's what I need to change. And let's just say I was not in the space to listen to him. And because the economy was really terrible in um, Alberta, where I live in Canada, I couldn't find that real job. I'm looking, put the suit, the tie, looking, doing what I was taught to do. But because I'm a newlywed, I want to take care of my family. So I start delivering pizzas for Domino's Pizza. I want to make money to keep providing. And all of a sudden, because of my work ethic, I go from being a driver to then being a manager. My wife becomes my assistant and we start working hard because we know how to do that, open to close seven days a week. And as we're doing this, all of a sudden, a year and a half in, we get the opportunity. My franchisee says, I'm done with Domino's. I'm selling my two stores. We were qualified to be franchisees, but we didn't have any money. Okay. And so we're like, my, my, here, here's my solution and option. Okay. We know that as soon as a store sold, we're getting replaced because the new owners are going to come in and lay off the management. So mm-hmm. we need to contact the other franchisees in the city, see who needs a new manager. And my wife looks at me and she goes, why would we do that? We're qualified to be franchisees. Why don't we buy the store? And I looked at her like she had, it, it was out of her mind. And I'm like, cause we don't no, have we any money. Right? 
Yeah. <laughs> like, and she goes, and that's going to stop us a little bit of money. Right. And so my wife is the youngest of five that was raised by a single mother and she was taught you figure it out. Mm-hmm. So we started to learn how do you buy a business if you don't have money? And we made a lot of mistakes. We spent money to people that promised financing, never got it and, and never got our money back. You know, but every time something went wrong, we learned. And it took about four to five months when all of a sudden we were able to, we now knew what to say, what not to say. We went to our own bank and all of a sudden we didn't get the financing for our store. They gave us 100% financing for both the stores my franchisee had for sale. Wow. And we became franchisees and we're like, oh, because our world was Domino's. We couldn't think of anything outside of that. Now, we knew how to run a Domino's pizza store, but we didn't know how to run a business. And you know, there's a world of difference between the two. Absolutely. And we struggled for the first couple of years, made a lot of mistakes. All of a sudden, we started figuring it out. We started learning the systems. We started learning how to run it properly. And we started making pretty good money. But our inner program, both coming from the youngest of our families and, and families that had no money, our spending habits were not good. So as we made more money, and Shana, this is probably going to shock you because probably no, no one ever has done this before that you've ever encountered we started spending more money than we were earning. Of course. <laughs> and by the time we were franchisees for eight years, we're over $150,000 in personal debt and going down quickly. Yeah. And then that's when we were introduced to personal development. And we went to a three-day training that changed our life, taught us why we we're in debt. But more importantly, it, took us, it taught us to take ownership. Yeah. I was good at blaming other people for our debt. Mm. They lost my investment. It's because of them I spent this money. Right. And then we learned the skills that if we didn't want to debt, get, be in debt, what to do. Putting those skills into place, we were able to go from being over 150000 financial debt, personal, to all of a sudden retiring completely, financially free, nine months later at the age of 32. Yes. And our minds went, that worked. And all of a sudden, the next two and a half years, we dove into learning from as many masters as we could. And that's when I found my passion. Now, to bring it back to the beginning of the story. I look back and when I used to be so pissed off at Ron Humpting for laying me off, I look back and I go, had he not laid me off, I wouldn't have started driving. I wouldn't have found a Domino's pizza to franchise. I wouldn't have become a franchisee. I wouldn't have spent 150,000 into debt. We wouldn't have found the training. We wouldn't have found my passion. And I look back and I now go, thank God you laid me off. Yeah. And so that for me has been a huge one because I look back and I'm going, if I, if it was up to me, I'd still be sitting in an office miserable. Yeah. But thinking that's my only choice. I think that that is the perfect example of sometimes our biggest gifts come wrapped in sandpaper. Like we believe that our gifts are going to have these big red bows on them and it's going to (laughs) come with so much joy and grace and ease. Now, unfortunately, we don't always see it as a gift until after, you know, we're on the other side of receiving it. But sometimes they really are, you know, wrapped in sandpaper. But when you look back, you're able to say, had that disruption not have occurred, I wouldn't have had a re- I wouldn't have had a problem to seek a solution to. And even though I thought I was solving a money problem, which you did, but you also learned all of these great life skills, dare I say, oh, yeah. that probably transcend far beyond just being limited to how they apply to your financial success, like your success overall. And so what do you yeah. think, what do you think is the, the overarching lesson in all of that? Because there was a reason that that it had to be like your finances that got your attention to get you on the right path. So what, what do you feel looking back at your life 
Like, why did, why did he have to use finances to get your attention to ultimately get you to learn what it is that you learned? Because I can take a lot of pain and that financial pain was finally enough to allow a shift in That's our good. perspective. That's we, good. I've never experienced stress like that. And I choose not to express it again or experience it again. And, you know, and I'm, I've got goosebumps right now because I think on the reverse side, and this is something for every single one of your listeners and your viewers, is because of that pain that I went through in the shift, today, I've now personally trained over half a million people around the world in live three to five day trainings yeah. on how to create their financial future the way they want it. And so you even look at the ripple effect of that. I don't even look at the realize the millions of people that they've impacted because I stepped into my greatness. I stepped into my God gift instead of resisting it, which is what I've found. And this has been my experience, no matter where in the world I go to and no matter, um, and it's interesting, no matter the culture, the beliefs, the upbringings, one of the things that I've found that everybody on this planet has in common, self-doubt. And they are unsure, why me? And so when I can light a little fire into them, understanding how amazing they are, why they, you know, you would not, you're here for a reason on this planet right now. If you're still breathing, you're here for a reason. The moment you know you're done is when you aren't breathing anymore. Wow. So even if you're going through a tough time to get from being overwhelmed, because here's what holds a lot of people back in my experience, they get overwhelmed. And it's either because they're so far in the future trying to figure it out or they're anchored to the past of what happened to them. Yeah. And so I tell them, whenever you're feeling the most stressed, especially just take a deep breath, come back to the present and ask yourself, what's one step I could take right now to move in the direction that I want to move in. Yeah. And the more you're present, the more you're actually now connected to that higher power, the more you're actually able to really get the guidance. Don't look for it, feel it. Yeah. Because that's the other thing that blocks. Position yourself to be able to receive it. And I think that's what it's about. It's like, it's not just about our condition. It's more so about our position, because Mm -hmm. if we're not in the right position, then it's going to be very difficult, if not impossible, for us to receive any level of instruction or insight or wisdom or information that's going to make a bit of difference to not have us at the microphone crying 18 years later. That's right. And, And if you think about it, and this was a shift I even went through in COVID, because, you know, here we are, March 10th, 2020. Now, I, on average, fly 200,000 miles a year around the world training. March 10th, 2020, I'm on my way back from India. I had just finished a powerful three-day training. I land back in Canada, and my world changed. March 11th, I'm put into isolation. Also, all my live events around the world are being canceled. I'm watching hundreds of thousands of dollars in revenue also disappearing. And I'll tell you, both my wife and I, we played the victims for a couple weeks. Our minds are so powerful, we actually ended up making ourselves sick. What's this COVID thing? I think I've got it. Oh my goodness. Not even being able to be awake for even an hour at a time. We were so tired. And all of a sudden when we started to realize and we got our test back as negative, we started to realize, wow, look what we're doing to ourselves. Look what we've done these last, are we done now? And we asked a very powerful question. It's two words that changes our lives and it's what's next. And the moment we ask that question, now we open up to the possibilities. And, you know, another way I'm blessed, I live on a very beautiful um, acreage in central Alberta that my wife and I had bought almost four years ago with the main purpose to eventually someday, 
There's words people use all the time. Yeah. Someday we want to build a training center on it. Yeah. And so we planned it for five, six, seven years down the road. Someday, because the goal was to have me not even traveling. Even though I took six months a year off, I do what I do because I love it. The 200,000 miles a year, I'm not a spring chicken anymore. It was playing on me, right? And so it was, we wanted to slow me down even more and be able to have a training center here. So my students would come from around the world to me. And so we're sitting there and we go, what's next? And my wife said, well, you're home. We've been planning on building the training center. Why don't we do that? And our minds, of course, went into, yeah, but we're now probably seven figures in, in income down. Yeah. Um, it's going to cost a couple hundred, 300, 400,000 to build it. You know, and all these what if scenarios come up. So then two more powerful words come into play. And this is what I'm going to recommend for your listeners and your viewers. If you use the what's next, what's my next step and break it down into steps. And then when you feel the resistance, the other two words are all in. Yeah. See, the biggest reason people struggle is because they have a plan B. Well, if this doesn't work out, I'm going to do this. And your mind's going to go to the plan B because it's going to always be looking at a reason why it won't work. But if you say all in, and it took almost two years, but I'm now sitting in my office. On the other side of my wall is a 1500 square foot training center. And then we have a 900 square foot um, prep area before that. Yeah. And it took almost two years to do it. Now we're like, Woo, everything's going great. And then our province went into another lockdown. Wow. And it's like, well, we built it to be able to have people here, right? (laughs) So we said, what's next? And all of a sudden that day we asked, what's next? A friend of mine who's done my audio visual for 15 years at events around the world, he sent me this video saying, hey, have you ever thought this is a great idea? It was a video of a company in the US that created a super Zoom room that they rent out for people to come. And I went, that's brilliant. Because how many people would like to come in one at a time and film and be able to do big productions? I would use it the most. So now in my room, I'm just completing the build out of a super Zoom room. So I can actually stand on a stage, have multiple cameras, see three to 400 of my students on screens and be able to really take my training to another level. Yeah. So all in and what next are words I live by, especially when times are tough. I love that. So I want to pause and take a quick break because I don't want us to get too far ahead of ourselves before we start to get getting into some of the house. So I, I hope people are super energized by the conversation that we've had so far, but I'm pretty sure people are asking my what's next is probably not going to be as promising as your what's next because you were already on cloud nine. You were already traveling the world and you were already a seven figure earner, right? So I want to pause and take a quick break. And then I want to come back and I want us to really take a deeper look at how it doesn't matter where you started. It doesn't matter what you've experienced. There are still some fundamental principles that work for anyone. Sound good? Okay, perfect. So I'm going to pause real quick and I want to read this quick commercial. So this episode is brought to you by the free guide, When God Says Shift. Inside, you will discover the four shifts that are required to follow God's plan to move you out of disruption and into a greater destiny, expectancy, and possibility. Head to GodSaysShift.com. That's GodSaysShift.com to access it now. So there's a whole section of this interview that I really want to skip over. Um, Oftentimes I talk a lot about, you know, how disruption can be beneficial to a person's life. Um, But I think all of us are familiar now with the concept of, you said it at the beginning, 
Like everything happens for a reason and those things happen to serve me. I think those of us who are believers and we understand scripture, we know that it tells us in scripture that all things work together for our good, right? So just trust us that it all works together for your good. Trust us that the things that happen that you think are happening to you are actually happening for you. So is it okay, audience? I want you to raise your invisible hands that I can't see that it's okay that we just are going to assume that you get it, right? You, You get the fact that if you make the choice Um, to not have a plan B. And if you make the choice to say, I'm going to use this disruption as a tool to better my life, I'm going to make sure that I'm moving forward towards things that are going to develop me and stop having this, this is destroying me victim mentality, that it'll all work out, right? So we're going to assume that everybody buys into that concept. And if you don't, I don't know what to tell you, you need to. So I want to ask you, Robert, um, because I want us to start to put some of this together because oftentimes I've been in such scenarios where I feel like I've done everything from the stage to say, yes, you see me now, but this is not how it started. And so the questions that we should be asking or the things that we should be looking at is what did I do between the low point and where I am now to get where I am now. And I I try to do everything I can to say there was nothing special about me. I didn't have any great opportunities. I grew up in a small town, right? So I really want us to look at, um, before we go into some of the tips, what do you believe or have experienced in all of the years that you've been training people around the world are some of the most common barriers that you've seen that could keep somebody from getting on the other side of what is really waiting for them? Well, their ability or willingness to take action. And what I mean by that is it's the unfortunate statistic in North America. Only 3% of people actually utilize what they've been taught. Hmm. And uh, you could, what's that saying? You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Yeah. Right. One of my quirky jokes is the horses they look at and they go, you can lead a human to learning, but you can't make them do anything with it. <laughs> right. And, and that's the kind of the key is especially in, and, and I don't want to generalize that North America is the only place, but in my experience of traveling around the world, other countries, it's a much higher percentage of people actually utilize it. People ask me, Robert, why do you train overseas more than you do in North America? because I want to be in front of audiences that actually don't just sit there and listen and go, oh, that was a nice weekend. They actually do something with it. And, and so- what are, the, what are the countries that I need to be pitching myself to that are going to do something with what oh, I say? <laughs> Asia, like I'll tell you, my favorite countries right now, India, Thailand, um, Malaysia, the, the Europe. I've just been really going into Europe before the lockdown. And so yeah. these, in, in North America, there tends to be a- <laughs> mentality. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's that, it's that entitlement mentality. What are you doing for me? What's the government, you know, why should I have to work? Look here in Canada is, is crippling when you see people that aren't working because I'm making more money from the government sitting on my butt doing nothing. Absolutely. Great. How's that serving your family? So I, it, to me, it, you've got to be willing to actually take action. Yeah. But Robert, what if it doesn't work? then you learn something from it. You adjust, you go again. Yeah. And, and this is, this is one of the biggest things is the biggest difference between successful people and unsuccessful people anywhere in the world that I've noticed successful people take action. And it's not like they're always taking the right action. We make a lot of mistakes. I make more mistakes. You know, I, I love the saying fail forward. Yes. And my goal every year is to fail faster than I did the year before fail more times 
because how many of our greatest lessons come from what did not work? If we're always looking for everything has to work, we're not learning what we truly can learn. Yeah. And, you know, God's not going to give you more than you can handle, even if it feels like you can't. So I'm going to dive into a tip right away is quit trying to do everything on your own. Yeah. That is probably one of the biggest things I want to say before you go there. I don't, so I'm 44, Robert, and, and I don't know about in Canada, but in the United States, there was a, um, it wasn't really a commercial as much as it was something that just flashed on the screen because I think it was associated with like NBC or one of the national um, broadcasting networks here in the country. And they would flash this thing on the screen, like between television shows. And it said, knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. And, and and they started to show this or it started to appear on the television because I don't remember whether it was not a commercial or not. But at the time that I saw this, I was probably in my late teens or early 20s. And even at that age, and I hadn't been introduced to personal development, I hadn't been training, I didn't have celebrity clients and, you know, all the things that I've been fortunate enough to have over the years. But even at that age, I thought to myself, knowledge isn't power because I know a lot of people that know stuff and do nothing different. There's a lot of times I've known what to do and I either did not do that or I did the exact opposite. So no knowledge is not power. Knowledge with action is what is yeah. power. And one of the yeah. very first business coaches that I ever worked with said, I don't care if you know it, because if you know it and you don't do it, you may it's, it's the same as not knowing it. So it's stop telling me what it is that you know, because if you haven't done it, what good is it for you to do for you to know it? I just wanted to add that in before you go to and, your and I totally agree because here's the thing, the way I look at knowledge is power, power is simply the ability to do or act, but you still got to act. <laughs> so you and I are right in alignment with it. And, and I struggled with this when I started, you know, before I became a trainer, I'd never traveled outside of North America, unless okay. you consider going on a Caribbean cruise, right? So, but also in 2007 was the first time I went outside of North America and I went to Singapore. And as I'm going to all these other countries, I started to feel insuperior. I started to, that self-doubt because I'm meeting all these people that are going, I have a PhD, I have an MBA, I have this and this and this and this and this. And they were all living by the letters behind their names. And it wasn't until a mentor of mine pointed out to me, he says, Robert, there's a reason they're in the audience and you're on the stage. Yeah. He said, so obviously they still need a kick in the butt to get to another level. And I've had millionaires and billionaires in my audience and the ones that are truly successful are the ones that are there. People go, hey, they asked one of my students, he said, you're a billionaire. We figured that out. The guy was very humbled. No one knew, but someone yeah. figured it out and they go, you're a billionaire. Why are you learning here? He says, because I want to grow even more to help more people. And I'm not going to stop learning just because I'm a billionaire. And yeah. I'm like, that's brilliant. And so I decided for fun one time, I followed the lead of a friend and I said, yeah, I have an MBA now and a PhD. So I'm Robert Raymond Riopel, MBA, PhD. My PhD, though, isn't the PhD you're thinking of. I'm in pretty high demand. And my MBA is I have a massive bank account. So yes. I like those letters behind my name. I like them. I, like those I graduated letters. high school. You know, so, but here's one of the things, and here is another tip actually different from the one I was going to give, and I'll get, still give that one is quit comparing yourself to other people. Yeah. The fastest and surest way to misery. And this is where social media, I love social media, but this is the part that frustrates me. Yes. We see everybody's greatest hits, and then we compare our misery to their greatest hits and wonder why we're miserable. Yeah. And it's, it's, 
And I feel like the the other danger in that, and I I talk about this in my book, is that if you're looking to another person for anything more than inspiration, you you run the risk of not only comparing your assignment to their assignment, which is probably nowhere near the same, but more importantly, you expect your journey to be what their journey was. And then the moment your journey does not follow the same cadence that theirs did, you're now questioning your assignment. You're now questioning why it is that you're here and what it is that you're supposed to do and who it is that you're supposed to help. And now all of a sudden you just said, screw it. And you're no longer chasing after or trying to accomplish what it is that you set out to do because you were so looking at what that other person did, how it happened for them and the timing in which it yep. happened. And it's just such a trap. So I, I'm the same oh. way. Like Social media, if used well, can be a great tool, but at the same time, it's damaging people so greatly. Right. And, and I actually, I, for a whole nother topic, I could um, teach you what a friend of mine taught me about when that uh, um, the documentary, The Social Dilemma came out. So many people reacted to it in a negative way. And he turned around yeah. and said, do you realize this is actually the greatest form of law of attraction in the world? And, it, and we've developed a whole training around that. And I love it. And so the other tip I was going to give, especially if you're feeling like I, I'm not in the space, how can I move forward? is I want you to check and notice the people you're hanging around with. Mm-hmm. And I was a big believer in, you know, surround yourself with like-minded people. You become like the five most people you're around. <laughs> That's right. And I, and so I'd be on stage and I'd go, how many of you are amazed that you're in a room of a thousand like-minded people? How, and everybody's like, yeah. But then a mentor of mine a year and a half ago, he goes, Robert, do you realize if you're surrounding yourself with like-minded people and the people around you are complainers, then you're actually going to be a complainer. And I'm like, oh, crap. I said, so obviously you have a solution. I'm all ears. And he says, surround yourself with growth-minded people. And he said, here's here's a subtle difference. So a growth-minded person, they're going to be there to help pick you up when you stumble, because we all stumble. They're going to be your greatest cheering um, squad when you're doing well. He said, but probably the most critical um, role they're going to play is they're going to be the people that are willing to have the tough conversations with you when needed. And so I'll go back to the example of my wife. One of the greatest gifts she gives me is not willing to let me play smaller than I am, even if it means kicking me in the butt. And am I always happy? Of course not. I put up resistance, but she will not stop. And it's a gift I give her as well. Because now as a growth-minded person, it's not just a yes person. Oh, my goodness. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. Just cry. You know, poor you. No, it's a person that says, okay, you quit blowing snot. Stand up. Let's take one more step. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Well, first step, stand up. Second step, what is it you really want? Now, if that's three to five years down the road, let's break it back to what's one step you could do right now to move in that direction. And the key is when you get down to the first step, make it so simple so that A, you cannot not do it. And B, your mind's going, it can't be that easy. Because your mind's going to look for the reasons why it won't be successful and why they can then latch back onto, see, it didn't work. So it might be, maybe you say, you know what, in next three to five years, I want to, or actually, Shane, I'm going to ask you, what would be something you'd love to achieve in the next three to five years? Absolutely love. A huge goal. Yeah. I would love to be able to operate a center for the dually diagnosed. So for those who have a mental illness and some form of addiction and not have to take a salary from it. 
Nice. So what is one thing you could do once we're off this call? That's super simple that actually could move you in that direction. Something that would be super simple is I could just sit down and think about what is the vision for that? What is the, what is the mission for that? Yeah. And how long, it doesn't have to kick off. I don't have to, I don't have to have any, any, any uh, land or building to do that, but I can at least start thinking about what do I want this darn thing to look like? Yeah. So the moment you do that, here's a critical missing factor now that most people don't do. Some people will take action, but then they wonder why they self-sabotage. Yeah. And the reason is they don't celebrate. And so your mind, what it focuses on will be what it attracts you. So if you sit there and you go, okay, and here's what most people would do. Okay. I want to have this center. I don't want to have to be able to take it. So one step I could do is I could, as soon as I'm off this call with Robert, I'm going to sit there and think about it and visualize what would that look like? And then you finish that and it's like, okay, next. Or you go, you go, you know what? Nice. And you do some form of little celebration. doesn't have to be, I'm going to the party. It's one little thing to acknowledge because now you're creating the habit that every time you uh, take one step further, you're celebrating. And I love the saying that says, a journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. Yeah. And so, so that's what I would recommend. The first step, because we don't know what the 100 step is. And it says, listen, you, you don't need to worry about that step until you get there. That's you right. To, you need to know that that step is going to be there at some point. You're not going to be completely blindsided by it. But you can't allow the fact that you don't know what's going to happen at step 100 to prevent you from taking step one. Because guess what? I can guarantee you, if you don't stay, take step number one, step 100 is going to be a mute point anyway. That's and right. It sounds comical and it sounds like who would do that. But like you said, only 3% of North America actually does anything with what it is that they learn and what it is that they, that they know. Yeah. And Shana, off topic, because you just shared a dream with me. I want to connect you with an amazing friend of mine. Okay. What part of the U.S. are you in? I'm in Dallas, Texas. You're in Texas. Nice. I thought that was a different country. Oh, wait, wait. Yeah, okay. well, I think so. They, they, <laughs> it used to be. We're going towards not being part of any country, but they think we're our own country. <laughs> That's right. Well, this amazing friend of mine, he, um, for the last number of years, has run one of the top rehabilitation centers in the U.S. for at-risk youth. Wow. And he doesn't just work with them. He works with the families as a unit. And he has a beautiful property in Colorado where they've just recently shut down the center and they've now got the property up for sale. But this gentleman, his podcast, which is called Beyond Risk and Back, the two of you, I think, would have some great conversations. And I'd love to connect the two of you because I think he might be able to have some insights that might help you take another step towards what you want to accomplish. Absolutely. I thank you for that. And before we wrap up, I want to note that Ladies and gentlemen, you just saw in action what he talked about, the importance of not being around like-minded people, but being around growth-minded people. Because if I was around somebody who was just like-minded or not, or less than even that, the only thing that they would have been able to say to me is one of two things. Oh, that's great. Or worse, that'll never work. How are you ever going to pull that off? What do you mean three to five years? You just told me the other day that you haven't even fully gained traction. What You, get, you see what I'm saying, you guys? And so I hope what you recognize is, is that the people that I bring on this show, we're not just talking about things that sound like pie in the sky. We're not just talking about things that will only work for the top 3% or only for 3% if you will actually do something. Because every single guest that I ever have on here, Robert, whether it is a speaker or trainer like yourself, whether it's a pastor, whether it's a life coach, anyone that I have on here, they do such a great job of giving simple 
yet tangible things that people can do. It's not like now, you know, that sounded great, but now I've got to go get a, a Google degree, you know, got to go get a degree off Google to try to figure out what the heck that even that even consists of. So we're out of time, unfortunately, but I want you to tell our audience, like, where can they find you and follow you? Yeah, you know, because I like to keep it simple. I'm simple, so I like it simple. If people simply go to my name, robertrealpel.com, what's actually going to happen? See, Shana, you were so, um, just the fact that you took your valuable time. I've To me, our time is one of our most precious commodities that we have. So the fact that you were gracious enough to have me as a guest and the fact that your audience taking their valuable time to listen to our conversation, what I, if they go to that website, they're actually going to be able to download the entire digital copy of my international best-selling book, Success Left a Clue, as a gift to them. And it gives them six very easy. I could have wrote a book that was a thousand pages long, giving you all the science, all the quantum physics, everything behind why it would work. But I broke it down into six simple steps on how to create the life you want. And I'm going to say this, A, don't let the simplicity fool you because simple is better. But B, I don't want, I didn't write the book for people to get the book, put it on the shelf and make it shelf help. Yeah, That's not why I wrote it. I wrote it as a workbook because step number three is take action. And so all the way through, there's action steps. And I'll even say in the book, hey, did you do the last action? If right. not, stop reading stop right reading. now. Go. I actually say that because I know people are creatures of habit. Yeah. And the other thing that they're going to be able to do, they not only can they download the book, and I promise, you download the book and you read it and do the actions, you'll take your life to another level. Promise. It's happened all over the world for people who've read that book. But the second thing is when they go to robertrealpel.com, they're actually one of my new things this year, Shana, is because I'm at home, I'm not traveling the world, I have a little more time, is I'm loving doing 20-minute strategy sessions with people. So they're going to be able to book in a complimentary strategy session where they're going to have to fill out a few questions so that when they get on a call with me, it's not going to be me selling them anything. I'm going to sit there and say, how can I help you? Here's some actionable steps from where you are today, your situation. Here's what I would recommend based on my 20 years of traveling around the world, helping people. And I would love to do that for your audience. Absolutely. So guys, make sure you take advantage of that because you know, and I don't say this to diminish the ministry leaders that I interview because that's a large piece of me having a faith-based platform. But not always am I going to bring a ministry leader on here that is going to be able to give you the concrete steps that he's going to say, I don't care where you are in life or what it is that you're trying to accomplish. These six things apply because most of the times when I have ministry leaders on and I love them to death, I'm one of them myself. Um, so obviously I'm not bashing my crew I'm a minister myself, but you have to know when you need practical advice and you have to know when you need spiritual advice. And there's sometimes that you need practical advice for someone to say, this is what worked for me as a success strategy. This is what worked for me as a, as a business strategy. And I'm not saying that the strategies in this book are, are business related, but what I am saying is, is that let's not limit ourselves. So 95% of my audience are Christians. So let's not limit ourselves to only seeking spiritual advice where people can show us in the scripture what it is that God has for us and how 
great he is, because guess what? I'm assuming that you already knew that God was good when you got here. I'm assuming that you already know that what God has stored up for you is stored up for you. But here's what I also hope that you know, that there are things that you can do or not do that will keep you from getting it. And so that's why I'm so grateful to be able to sprinkle in um, interviews like the one that I'm doing with you, Robert, because not, not one time do we get so hung up on thus said the Lord. And even though I think both of us believe that the Lord is saying a lot of these things, just knowing he's good and just knowing he has good for us does not mean that it's going to become tangible here on the earth. So with that, I will get off of my soapbox and thank you, Robert, <laughs> so much. I, I'm just, I'm so big on like, I don't care if you're motivated. I don't care if you're inspired, go to church for that. But what they don't do in church is tell you what to do on Wednesday when you're trying to get somewhere in your life. Most of them don't. That's, that's, that's just my caveat. But let me stop there before people quit following me. Um, but anyway, thank you so much, Robert, for being here. Everyone, thank you for listening um, to a Gotcha podcast. I pray that not only that you will share this, but that you will also um, tell three or four other people to start listening in as well. Make sure that you are downloading um, Robert's book the, so you don't have to wonder how in the world do I spell Reappel. I'm going to make sure that his website and any social media that he would like for you to follow him will be in the show notes. Um, and share and post about just that. Like, not only do I want you to post about just the episode, because probably only a small percentage of people that are watching your social media is going to go and listen to every episode. But I would like you to make a whole special post. And I've never asked you guys to do this. Never, ever, ever in the history of my podcast have I asked you to do this. But I want each of you to make a separate post where everybody that's following you goes to robertreappell.com so that they can download the digital version of the book, Success Left a Clue because I just believe that it does not need to be that only 3% of people are doing anything with what they learn. And so I'm convinced that everybody that's listening to this podcast is going to do what the hell is in that digital book. So go get it and make sure that you are posting that on your page as well. Again, I never do that, but that's a big ask. And so I appreciate it. So Robert, again, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate your time. Oh, my my absolute pleasure. Thank you. Absolutely. Everyone, thank you. It's Shana Rattler signing off. You have a great day. Bye-bye. I want to thank you for listening to the God Shift Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave a review. And remember to put God first and everything will fall into place.